0: This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. Good morning, Woodland Presbyterian. Um, I'm excited to, to be here. Um, and... Um, yes, I am a proud Arkansas State Red Wolf graduate. Even though I may be the only one, or we, we may be the only two in here who who even know it exists. On um, um, true story, I went to Germantown High, and I was being recruited. And me and my grandfather, um, we had a. I'ma just use the word, maybe a troubled um, relationship. Um, We wasn't the best of friends, and we didn't talk, in my mind, for years. And when I got to um, Germantown and started to get recruited, I just became his new favorite grandson um, all of a sudden, and at Thanksgiving, he was like, this is my boy, my grandson, and I was like, okay, you, you love me again, and I signed and committed to Arkansas State, and I got to Arkansas State, and I played as a true freshman and was scoring touchdowns, and and my mom was like, man, your granddad just so proud of you, and I came home for Christmas break, and my granddad said, um, grandson, I'm... I'm hearing um, you playing and I'm hearing you scoring all these touchdowns, but I promise you, I'm watching every game and I haven't seen you play. And I said, we just played um, um uh, Memphis last week. And he was like, no, y'all played LSU last week. And I said, oh, I get it. Um, he thought I went to the University of Arkansas, um, Razorbacks, SEC. And I was like, oh, I'm just in the sunbelt. you know. We are just a humble conference, um, but yeah. So this there's, there's just a little bit about me. But I'm excited to um, um, be here with you this morning. I feel like this this weather change kind of got me a little bit. I woke up this morning feeling a little congested. So so bear with me as I as I might sniffle, you know, a little bit. Um, but. If you will, if you're able to stand, will you um, stand with me for the reading of God's word, which this morning comes from John chapter 19, beginning at verse 17 to um, verse 27. And God's word reads as such, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier Also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. to his own home. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Um, I like to tag this message on the love of a suffering king. The love of a suffering king. Uh, There is something attractive even life-giving about a person in a high place who chooses to sit in a low place. Um, There's something inviting, even life-giving, when a rural majestic king chooses to suffer with his common man. Um, This is the story of King Leonidas. Um, Maybe you have seen the movie 300 And even though the movie 300 exaggerates the truth just a lot, um, the truth is King Leonidas was the king of a small Spartan nation and and the Persian Empire was coming against him to, to conquer him and defeat them. And King Leonidas' history tells us led a small army of 300 men to fight against this large, massive empire. And what I love about King Leonidas is that he, as king, didn't just send his army, his soldiers, out into a battle and say, protect me, die for me. He didn't give some fancy motivational speech and say, now go suffer and die for me. No, King Leonidas left his throne. He walked outside of his city's wall. He picked up his spear and shield, and he led this group of 300 men on the front line throwing the first throw in a battle. And one of my favorite movies and this, I mean, one of my favorite scenes in the movie of 300 is when this soldier was fighting, and this soldier began to get tired and discouraged and wanted to quit. He looked up and saw his king ahead of him fighting. And this soldier smiled and picked up his spear and, and gained a new fervor, a new zeal to keep fighting because there's something attractive, even life giving, when a person, a leader in the high places chooses to suffer with the people. And I believe this is why Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is still celebrated and honored um, today. Dr. King is not remembered because he was some elegant speaker. He is not remembered because he was a highly educated man or because he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. He is not remembered because he was a great Baptist preacher. No, Dr. King is remembered and honored and celebrated still today because even though he was the face of the civil rights movement, he did not stand on his high podium just holding the mic, but he chose to suffer with the people, being arrested over 29 times. I say again, it's, it's something inviting, it's something life-giving when the person in the high place chooses to suffer with the people. And this is the picture, the story of the cross Of Jesus. No, Jesus wasn't a civil rights leader like Dr. Martin Luther King. He wasn't the king of a small nation like King Leonidas. He wasn't even the president of the United States or the Queen of England, but Jesus is actually much more than than these things. Because Jesus is the king of kings. He is God who sits outside of time and directs every moving piece in his universe. Jesus is the artist of the heavenly skies that the moon and stars show the work of his fingers. Jesus is the teacher who teaches the eagles how to soar and teaches the dolphins how to skip through the stormy sea. Jesus is is more majestic than we can understand and more holy than we can comprehend. Jesus is so majestic that demons tremble at the sound of his name and, and heavenly beings have to cover their faces in his presence. This is how holy and high he is. But yet, because of love, Jesus chose to suffer not only alongside us, but for us. And this is what separates Jesus out of any other leader we can find in this place. He he not only suffered with us, but he chose to suffer for us. Yes, Dr. King suffered with his people, but but Dr. King was was suffering for for his benefit as well. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus had nothing to gain, but because of love, he emptied himself, took off his heavenly crown, took off his heavenly robe, and came, born of a virgin, born to two na- to two teenage parents who didn't even have a home. He chose to suffer not only with us. But for us, there's something attractive and life-giving about this type of king. And as we approach John 19 this morning, as we approach seeing Jesus on the cross, I really want us to slow down for a second and, and feel the weight of this cross, of this moment. I know Easter Resurrection Sunday is in two weeks, and we all love Resurrection Day. It's the most attended Sunday out of the entire year. You know, everybody got to get to church on Easter Sunday, you know, the one time of the year. And we all love Resurrection Sunday because it reminds us of the empty tomb. Christ has won the victory. but, But I want us right now to feel the weight of the cross. And I bet if we're honest, our day to day sometimes feel more like the suffering on the cross on Friday than it does the celebration of the empty tomb on Sunday. And I know none of us are probably fearful of having to carry a literal cross, but sometimes the circumstances in life just feels like a cross. I don't know if you're like me, but being from Memphis and seeing churches and nonprofits and different leaders pray and pray and work tirelessly to to change Memphis and to make Memphis a better city, but to not see the fruit of it, it just exhausting. It just that's a cross. Dealing with the ongoing mental and physical illnesses can can be a cross. Living. Year after year, without your loved one being there, it's a cross. My, my son being born and not, my, not ever being able to meet his grandfather, it's a cross. And what happens in life is that sometimes as we carry these crosses, we begin to get fatigued, we begin to get tired, we begin to want to give up. We began to want to walk out on our marriages. We began to want to walk out of the church because, God, I am just tired of carrying these crosses. But this morning, as we look at the cross, I want us to see that we can find the strength to keep going. We can find comfort in our suffering. We can find hope in dark times because the cross is the picture of the Most High God displaying his everlasting love and eternal Commitment to you, and the good news this morning and my main ideal is that Jesus suffering on the cross is evidence that he is present, loving, and a sovereign king. Jesus looking at the cross is the evidence that reminds us that he is a present loving, and sovereign king. So what do we do with this? Our main application is that in times of suffering, we are to look up at the cross to find strength and comfort needed to endure. And my first major thought this morning for those taking notes is this. Jesus carried a cross and commands his followers to carry one too. Jesus carried a cross... And commands those who follow him to carry one as well. Look again at verse 17 with me. It says, so they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Gargato. There they crucified him and with him two others. And when we think about the suffering of Jesus, it's easy for us to think about Jesus suffering on the cross. But I want to remind us that the suffering that Jesus endured started way before the cross. Because Jesus was just chilling in the garden, if, if you know the story, praying, having, having his own time. And he was unjustly arrested and he was led be- before this Jewish man where they assaulted him. And then he was led again to Pilate, the governor who had the power to condemn him or free him. and And again, Jesus was assaulted. And Pilate really didn't want to um, um, hurt Jesus, but, but this crowd of men kept, kept shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. So to appease the crowd, Pilate had Jesus flogged and scourged with many called the half deaf because many people who were scourged did not survive this. He suffered way before the cross, but even then, think about the emotional suffering that he endured, being betrayed by his closest friend, Judas, being abandoned by all of his disciples, just the suffering of being alone in the midst of your trouble. Jesus suffered, and now he is led up to a place called the place of a score. Golgotha, Gotha and many scholars say that the horizontal plank of the cross was placed on his back, which probably weighed about 100 pounds and he had to carry this cross all throughout the town when everyone is just looking at him, mocking him and he had to carry this heavy cross up a hill. and there he was raised. He carried a cross. But what's interesting and what I want to remind us of is that before Jesus carried his cross, he said in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. My first time reading this, I was in college and I was like, "I'm so confused." Jesus, you tell me to love my neighbor, and now you're telling me to hate my 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 kids. And 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 of course, this is not literal, but 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 the point that Jesus is making is that in comparison the love that you have for me is to be so much greater than the love you have for those in this world. Your commitment to following me should be greater than your commitment to living your own way. Your commitment and your devotion displayed to me should be greater than your devotion to your kids. And if you want to follow me, you must relinquish control of your life and trust in me and pick up your cross. Yes, there may be some suffering involved. Yes, there may be some some not so good feelings involved. But you have to trust me and follow me. Um, There's this woman in my church. I'm going to leave her unnamed but she blew my mind. Um, She literally has the next 10 years of her life planned out. I don't have the rest of this month planned out. And she legitimately has, I'm going to work this job for five years and at the end of this year. She has it all planned out. I'm going to have a kid um, um, this month and this year. I'm just like, whoa um and and as i was thinking about her i'm like her carrying her cross her picking up her cross is going to be so difficult for her because it actually may involve her laying down her plan it may actually involve her saying this is what i spent my entire life dreaming of but now god is is directing me this way i have to be willing to pick up my cross and trust him and I don't know you, but, but I can just assume that many of you have, have maybe worked hard your entire lives to get where you are and to get the things that you own. And, and carrying your cross may, may actually be hard because it may involve you letting go of some of the things that you feel like you worked for. But Jesus tells us also in Luke 9 that if you truly want to follow me, that you have to let go of your life. That he who wants to save his life, that holds on to his life, actually will lose it. But he who loses his life and trusts in me is actually the one who saves it. So Jesus carried his cross, gives us the confidence that we can carry ours too, trusting in him. And a second thought this morning, I only have three thoughts if you guys are, are wondering. The second thought this morning is that, The cross proves that Jesus is the reigning king who you can trust. Jesus is the reigning king who you can trust. Um, It's funny to me looking at Pilate throughout this entire story. Because when they, when the Jewish men first brought Jesus to Pilate, it seemed like Pilate came out of his house and in, in his pajamas, and he's like, "What's going on?" And 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 they like, "This man is doing so much wrong." And he says, "Do you want me, the king, um, to kill your king?" And the Jewish men get mad. They like, "He is not our king." And Pilate acts like their older sibling, who like keeps messing with the younger sibling. Like, he's like, oh, so you... Don't like your king? And they keep saying he's not our king. And then Pilate again says, um, I have beat your king. I find no fault. Do you still want me to crucify your king? And the Jewish men keep saying he is not our king. And now Jesus is on the cross. And Pilate does something. One last thing. He writes. He tells his men to write on a sign to say Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And we don't know if Pilate was serious or if he really believed that Jesus was king of the Jews or if he is just trying to make these these Jewish men mad. But I love the fact that he just didn't write King of the Jews, but he said write it in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. And Aramaic is the is the main language of Jews. This is the language that 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 Jewish men wrote and spoke in. And he said, write it in Latin. This was the main language of the Roman Empire. And he says, write it in Greek, which was the international language that both the Jews and the Gentiles used. And so even now at this point, Pilate, whether he is knowing it or not, he is declaring to everyone in the world who this man is, that Jesus is the king of the Jews. And I love the fact that I did my study, y'all, and um, maybe you guys know better than me, but I had the thought, I said, did Jesus ever claim to be king of the Jews? Did, did Jesus in all of the four gospels ever say he was king of the Jews? And I could not find one place where Jesus said he was the king of the Jews, but I only found in one other spot where we see Jesus being called the king of the Jews. I know right now we are in Easter season but if I can take you back to Christmas season when 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 Jesus was born do y'all remember those wise men who came to King Herod and they said behold where is the child who is born who is king of the Jews. In this sign that in this this title that Jesus is king of the Jews, it's not just to tell us that Jesus is king of a small group of people, but no, this is a sign pointing back to the Old Testament that, that there is a child who is going to be born, who is going to be the Savior and the King of the entire world. And when and then Matthew chapter 2, when Jesus was born, it is it was the declaration to the world that this long-awaited Savior that we all have been longing for, waiting for, is here and now again at the cross we see the exact same sign that the long awaited savior of the world is suffering not only with his people but for his people and these Jewish men they get mad again and they say don't don't write that he is the king of the Jews but write that he said he is the king of the Jews and y'all um I remember in 2003, I, I don't know what grade I was in, but I remember seeing LeBron James' first NBA game. And his first NBA game, he, I remember seeing him steal the ball and dunk. And as a little boy in 2003, I remember saying, wow, forget Kobe Bryant. This is my new favorite player of all time. And, and throughout all these years, I have been, I have been rooting for LeBron. Um, if you know any, anything about sports shows, um, Chris Broussard um, is a national um, uh, um, sports um, show host. And I actually argued against Chris Broussard on a sidewalk in D.C. that LeBron James is greater than Michael Jordan. And of course he won because he's a professional debater and and he beat me. But the point I'm trying to make is that LeBron James calls himself the king, the greatest of all time. And just last week a man at my church told me, he said, my only problem with LeBron James is that he called himself the king. He called himself the greatest of all time. And And if you're the greatest of all time, you don't have to... Say that about yourself because everyone else is going to say it about you, for you. And y'all, this is what I love about Jesus. is that Jesus doesn't have to tell us that he's the king of the world, that he's the God of gods, the king of kings. He doesn't have to say it for us. And actually, Jesus said that even if we don't say it for him, he can make rocks in all of creation below shout out who he is. And Paul even tells us that whether we believe it or not, there's going to come a point in time where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the one true God. And y'all, Jesus is the king of kings, whether we believe it, whether we feel like it or not, whether we are going through a hard time in life, whether we are just um, going through a moment of suffering and pain. He is king regardless of how we feel or declare this is who Jesus is and i know there can be moments where we all become skeptics where we all question Jesus even right now we we should literally question if Jesus is the king right he is literally on the cross being brutally murdered, dying. There is no evidence of his kingship. There is no evidence of his kingdom. So how is he the king? How is he someone that we can trust when we feel like we are alone on our, on our crosses? Well, I love what one pastor wrote. He said, there are times when we are called to believe not because of, but in spite of. To follow Jesus is to take up a cross and that means that there may be moments when life circumstances contradict our claims as surely as they did for Jesus at Calvary. And I want to be a, a pastor, a minister that that stands on the microphone that is recorded to say that following Jesus does not mean that there that your life will be will go exactly how you want it um to go now um i grew up hearing a lot of prosperity sermon messages that was that said hey this is your year if you give this amount of money you will be blessed that if you follow jesus you you will score two touchdowns and get and get everything you want that's that's the word and now i i come to a point to say like, that's not what following jesus is that That the truth is we will be called to trust in him, not because everything is good, but in spite of. But in our times of suffering, we can look back at the cross because we are reminded that Jesus is the true king who suffered with us and for us. And this leads me to my last thought this morning. And that is the cross invites us to bring all of our emotions, good and bad, to receive strength to endure. Look again at verse 25 with me. At the end, as Jesus is lifted up on the cross, it says, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Standing by the cross was Mary, Mary's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Jesus was arrested. He was surrounded by all of his disciples. And now at the cross, at his, at his dying moment, there are four women standing here. And as I was studying, y'all, yeah, I just began to think about Mary and try to put my shoes put my feet in Mary's shoes just for a little bit. And I thought to myself this, yes, Mary know the story. Yes, she was um, um, approached by an angel who told her that your son is the savior of the world. Emmanuel, God is with us. But right now in this very moment, here is Mary's baby boy dying in front of her. I can't I can't begin to imagine the emotions she's feeling. She's angry, she's helpless, she's heartbroken. And even as she's staring at her baby boy struggling to breathe his last breath, she is surrounded by soldiers who are gambling over his clothes. The high priest, the very man she spent her entire lives admiring and respecting, these are the very men who are mocking and laughing at her husband. I can't begin to imagine what she's feeling. I think about Mary's sister. This, is, this is, is her nephew. She's feeling the exact same thing that Mary is feeling, but, but she's also trying to be a good sister to, to, to comfort and support her sister. I think about Mary Magdalene, this woman who devoted her entire life to following Jesus, and now her very hope is, being, is dying right in front of her. I think about the disciple that Jesus loved, that we believe is John. This is probably Jesus' best friend. I just picture him numb and helpless and don't know what to do, don't know what's next. And he's just staring at Jesus. But I love the fact that it says standing by the cross. And this is my encouragement to you is that, is that the cross invites us to bring all of our emotions, all of our fear, all of our worries to Jesus, good and bad. Because when we look at the cross, we find a savior who loves us so much, who is so committed to you, who actually knows what you're going through because he's been through far worse. But we see a Savior who says, I can comfort you, by, not by taking you out of this suffering, but I can comfort you by being with you in the suffering. Um, my, I have two lovely children, Karis who is three years old, my daughter, and they say like terrible twos. I think it's terrible threes. Um, um, my patience is, is on a, is always on being nice with her right now. She's just in that testing phase. Um, but right now, my son is one years old, and um, and right now he's my favorite child. I'm just gonna say it because he just smiles, and he loves me. And he doesn't talk back yet. I love both my children just the same. But right now, he's my favorite. And um, about two weeks ago, we stayed at my mother-in-law's, which we found out her house is no longer conducive to um, staying the night with two kids. Um, so we, I packed up the pack-and-play and unpacked it. And, and as I was putting little sir down to bed, I just knew He going to wake up at some point throughout the night because this is not a comfortable room. It's scary. It's dark. There's no night light. It's cold. It's a pack and play, right? And I get him to sleep, and I go lay in my plush bed with all of the pillows and and the comforter. And even though the house was cold, I was warm. I was comfortable because, you know, I had this cover. And I fell asleep and and in the middle of the night, right at 2 a.m., I heard him crying. And I went in there and picked him up to, to try to console him. And you know, parents, when you when your kids are crying the only your your main goal is to hurry up get them sleep so you can get back to sleep right like like that was my main goal and i'm like you know trying to get him sleep and try to get him quiet and i'm tired and i and I, it just hit me i said this boy is not about to go back to sleep right now not in this pack and play. So I ran to the hallway. I got two blankets, I got two pillows, and I laid them down on the ground. And I laid him on his pilot. And then I laid down beside him and I laid there with him. And y'all, um, I- I told this story at my church, and I, like, little legitimately got choked up as I was, um, started to tell it because as I lay down with him, me and my son had the sweetest moment at 2 o'clock in the morning. When I laid down beside him, my son, like, in the dark, I could still see his face, and he just looked at me and smiled, and I looked back at him and smiled. And he just kept smiling at me, and I just kept smiling at him and and I remember thinking and feeling like, "I'm glad I'm here with you and as I was feeling everything I was feeling, it began to dawn on me that like yes i I don't like being on this uncomfortable floor, <laughs> just like you don't, and yes, I can go back to my bed but but it's actually my delight, it's my joy, it's my pleasure to to be here with you. And And as I began to lay here with my son, I began to think about Jesus on the cross. And I believe that it delighted Jesus to be on the cross for you. That Jesus probably thought to himself, yes, I. it's not comfortable hanging here on this cross, but because of my love and my devotion and my commitment to my children and to you, it is actually my delight to be here with you and for you. Because Jesus said in Luke 15 that I am the good shepherd who will leave 99 sheep just to go and find and save the one. Jesus, yes, we know John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall have life. But I believe that if Jesus was to go through all of this suffering and he was only able to save you, it would still be his delight. And I believe that John 3.16, even though it says God so loved the world, I believe it can also say God so loved you, that God so loves you, that it was Jesus' delight to hang on the cross, to suffer, not only with you, but for you. So will and prayers, as you continue to live, as, as we continue as we continue to endure life's troubling times, life storms, I just simply want to remind you to always remember the cross and remember the love of a suffering king. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much and God bless you today.